You're listening to the Outpost Podcast with Dr. Ray Mitch. Well, welcome everybody to another edition of the Outpost Podcast. I am Dr. Ray Mitch, your host. I am so glad that you've taken some time out of your busy first week of the year, perhaps. Uh, maybe if you're one of those ambitious types that listen in as soon as you possibly can, which I can't really imagine why, but um, <clears throat> uh, this is New Year's Eve and we are on the last day of the year. I don't need to tell anybody that. There's probably that piece of quote-unquote news, it's not really news because we all know, right, um, uh, is met with either a groan, oh, oh dear, <laughs> that's probably a tame way to put it, but um, oh my, it's, a, it's another year to have to face, or um, relief, I'm so glad that's over, and, and um, this is when my phrase that I say often, and usually when I do, my students um, <laughs> are uh, uh, rolling their eyes as I launch into it. But hope springs eternal in the minds of idiots and fools, and so we're we're, and that's what a new year holds, right? Is hopes? I don't think it really hopes. I I, I think that's kind of a bastardization of the word hope, but. Um, but be that as it may, that is, uh, that is where we sit today. Uh, I have a, a number of announcements that are worth listening through. Uh, that would probably be about the only way I can strong arm anybody to listen all the way through a podcast like this on a New Year's Eve. But uh, be that as it may, that is where we're at. So if you are listening for the very first time, this is uh, The Outpost and the outpost is really kind of a, a intersection point <clears throat> uh, because between faith and psychology and spiritual formation, and what we want to do is create a space where the doubters, the confused, the wounded, the beat up and beat down, the bent over um, and bruised who feel like their lives are a disappointment to God can feel accepted, enough to be known, and even enough, because I, I mean, in some sense, we have to feel accepted enough so that we can even open the gates to know others as well, and that's always the risk of vulnerability, is that when I open that gate to know somebody else, I'm also opening that gate for others to see me as I am, and that's, that's uh, well nigh a death wish, I think, in a lot of people's minds sometimes, so may not be a physical death wish, but it certainly feels that way. So we want to be a place where <clears throat> in this podcast that, that people can meet the biblical Jesus as he is, not as they've told, been told he is, and uh, uh, can discover who he really is according to him. I, I think presumably if any of us get our dander up uh, with somebody defining us for our for themselves and by their own definitions rather than allowing us to do it ourselves, we'd get pretty upset. And I think we do that oftentimes with Jesus as well. So the, the outpost is really the, the voice of SGI, the Stained Glass International, and its mission is to equip, encourage, and empower the next generation to live authentically in relationship to Jesus, others, and themselves. And we seek to develop what I call outposts for the heart and communities for the soul. And I feel, um, and I, I hesitate to use the word hopeful, but I, I feel positive, let me put it that way, because I don't like uh, using words inappropriately, but I feel positive about the chances of us being able to plant outpost communities, outpost groups, um, in and around the Denver area, maybe even beyond that, uh, Lord willing. So... Uh, the 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 other ministry, if you will, or the other kind of initiative that SGI has is sponsoring and leading silent retreats for young people, and that is in this area here in Colorado, which isn't isn't too bad of a place to to visit. Um, 
And, and then, again, I, I am looking always for opportunities to, to host other silent retreats, introduce people to silence and solitude as, as the ancient spiritual practices that they are. They have been a part of our faith since the earliest days, even. Uh, Jesus uh, uh, exemplified these same things, and I think we, we can, in good um, company, uh, take on doing something like that. So all of these things are, the, are the, um, held within the, the, the bucket, if you will, of SGI, the Stained Glass International and we can be found. Our digital home is at sgi-net.org, and it it too will probably be growing over time as as over this year, um, where we can get a little bit more focused. And I'm I'm not always fighting what seems to be a um, uh, a pretty nasty year in a lot of ways. I did a lot of writing. I don't know about you, but obviously this last day of the year tends to draw us to look back in order to look forward. And um, and just within the last four months has been a real challenge. I, I, the last episode I did was on the 10th of December. Um, four days later, I was in surgery uh, having a heart issue repaired. And uh, it's really, really amazing what they can do now through something as small and not far from simple, but um, a catheter that is that is fed through your veins into the heart and being able to make some repairs there. I have been struggling with, with an, a condition called atrial fibrillation for quite some time, and it has only gotten worse. And so that was what that was all about. And there was some recovery, and I am not very good at recovery. I kind of usually ignore most of the instructions. Of course, that's dangerous for me to say that in, in this setting because people can hold me to it, and I don't want to be held to it, so leave me alone. So um, <clears throat> so what I want to talk about today, and, and it's in light of the day itself, uh, New Year's Day. And usually people kind of crank up and get ready for the turning of a new year, and and when we do, this has been <clears throat> ingrained in us all the way back to, and I, I did a little reading. I've got a stack of stuff that I usually uh, draw from to be able to do these episodes. But all the way back to the Babylonians, that uh, every new year, and, f- and their year was different than ours. Uh, apparently there's a boat that put us on the Gregorian calendar, which is January one. Um, and January was a Roman god, Janus, and so January one was the beginning of the of the quote unquote new year. And the Babylonians would do this, and they would make promises to their god about what they would change and and things uh, to better themselves and relationships and everything else. Sounds familiar. Um, the fascinating thing about that is that. I, as I've been doing my reading, it really is quite amazing um, about how much we do New Year's resolutions. And, and there are lots of reasons that I think people engage in for why, why they do that. And I, I oftentimes will ask, and sometimes people bait me, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, a very reliable fish in that regard. I will always chew on that bait uh, about, you know, what do you think of New Year's resolutions? And I'll basically say, I think they're stupid. Um, But why do people do that? I mean, other than it being ingrained in our thoughts to, to celebrate a new year, depending on your perspective, there's not much to celebrate sometimes when people look down the road and their, their perspective of that road is, pretty clouded, even dark, and and they feel like it's just more the same, so why bother? So, you know, you ask somebody, why why do you do New Year's resolutions? And a lot of times they'll say, well, you know, if you shoot for nothing, you're sure to hit it, so I better kind of plan for something. The other thing about that, I think, that we have to take into account is 
that if I don't have objectives, then I have no clarity of direction, if you will. And that's there's there's some there's some germs of truth in there, germs at best. Um, the further I read, the th- interesting thing I I found out was over half in the United States, over half of the population makes some kind of New Year's resolutions. And they have come to be so common that when you look that up, and, and you know, we've now taken a, a, a name and turned it into a verb, and if you Google it, what you'll find is there are, you know, the 12 most common New Year's resolutions, finances, relationships, getting fit, every, you know, the gym is, is nice and full for the first three weeks of January, and then everybody goes away after, you know, after Super Bowl or something like that. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but everybody feels compelled to celebrate the new year by making promises to themselves or someone, maybe God. I think some Christians certainly do. And, and the funny thing about it is, is that the people that do that, over 52% of the people making New Year's resolutions were confident that they'd stick it out. Now, of course, you'd have to ask the question, confident after being inebriated for two hours on New Year's Eve? Sure. <laughs> um, that would be you know, uniquely delusional. Uh, but 52% say that they were confident they'd stick it out. Guess Guess, say it in your own head, say it wherever you are, not out loud. Somebody may wonder what you're hallucinating. But just guess how many of that percentage, 52, that's over half, um, really did follow through on their New Year's resolutions. And if you guess 10%, you're close. Said 15, you're too high, it is 12%. Other people really did follow it through. And in one author's way of thinking about it, New Year's, New Year's resolutions are what he wrote, and again, this is kind of idiotic in my mind, but what do I know? Um, he said it's a triumph of hope over experience, and, it's, and in psychology we call it magical thinking. And, and so... That's where my phrase comes from, oftentimes, is that we, we, we really do have this thing that we call hope that isn't really hope. It's just, I, I, this is what I want, and this is the outcome I desire, and I'm going to cast it in, in the frame of hope. And we do that a lot, actually, with our words. We, we frame something that, that we don't know will happen or... We don't know how to frame it, and we frame it in words that we do know. Like, for example, I'll give you a really good pet peeve time, and this is appropriate because then it's the end of the year and I can move on, right? Nope, because I'll probably beat this dead horse for a while. Because in the Christian community, we we love to talk a a little bit, a lot about forgiving myself. Well, that is not possible because forgiveness is mediated and if it's through myself and myself is already a a, uh, judge, jury, and executioner who's already decided my fate, then there is no forgiveness. And it's not about forgiveness at all, really. And that's my point, is that we, we cast things in a way that I think sometimes we guess are going to be more socially acceptable, but they don't touch on the core issue. And the core issue is, am I willing to accept the grace that's offered me to make the changes that I make? It's not about forgiveness, no more than it is about making a resolution and, <clears throat> and hope overcomes my experience. Because every year... If anything, New Year's resolutions are only a, a not only a uh, exercise in futility; they're also an exercise in building more shame into our lives. 
And so the thing, the thing I think that we end up being so drawn to is that it fuels our desire to be in control of all things. And if I can put a resolution to it, then I can have control over it and I can accomplish it and I can break my arm patting myself on the back and all of those sorts of things, which really, I think, comes up time and again. We are, by our very nature, broken or otherwise, we are very much control-oriented beings. And that's why oftentimes we will play God instead of allowing God to be God himself. It's about control, because control is safer. And resolutions allow me to set a goal in mind, I hit that goal, and I can feel better about myself, rather than whether I make that goal or not is not the point. The point is I'm loved as I am. And we have so distorted and so blown that up that that is not a motivation to being loved as I am. I think I have to add something to that. So it's being loved and performing. It's being loved and allow, you know, meeting people's expectations. It, it's all of those things. And so the, the bigger topic, the topic I talk about all the time, I know, not only the whole idea of grace, but also which I just finished for a whole semester of talking about shame. And shame shame gains its greatest strength and power by never being named. By never being named. And that's particularly true in our lives where we lack the vocabulary, we lack the understanding, we don't... frame it and I, I you know I've used that word a number of times I don't I believe and I see this being a psychologist is that how I frame the world is how I know the world it's not a matter of what the world really is I have to frame it somehow and when I frame it what do I use words and words then manage how I react to it and that's people and that's circumstances, and that's future, and that's all of those things. So shame is always there. And so it's not a matter of somebody saying, well, just show me where it is, and then, I'll, then I can deal with it, and I, we can move on, right? And it's like, no. I, you're, you're a frog in a frying pan that isn't warm enough, and you're... And you're changes in your perspective of shame, changes with it. And, and then by the time you say, oh crap, it, it's too late. It's not really too late. It's never too late because we always have this extremely powerful weapon that we don't want to use because it rests on trust and relationship. And I might add uncertainty and and we really don't like uncertainty so shame it should really come as no surprise to us that the very thing that contributes to our sabotage against the thing that appears to be our enemy shame and the, and the enemy of shame in shame can be negative self-talk what some people might refer to as head trash or whatever you want to call it we use it against it, if you want to put it that way, if that makes any sense. Let me, let me give you an example. Here's a good example. I, I have, coming up on, a, on two years old, my youngest grandson, his name's Henry, and it would be very much like me giving Henry a hammer, okay? Uh, and and I'll, I'll, I'll make the translation for you in a second, but a hammer, okay? And what happens for a two-year-old that has a hammer is everything around him becomes a nail. So, you know, Murphy becomes a nail, and the cats become a nail, and the, and, uh, uh, the, the uh, coffee table becomes a nail, and mom becomes a nail in her knee, or any number of things. 
everything becomes a nail. So we get focused on the tool that we use rather than the need that we have. And so, so what's the parallel here or what, how do I translate that? So in this sense, when I have a problem in my life and shame is part of it, I use shame to address and to attack the nails in my life, the addictions, compulsions, the relationships, the savior complex, all of those things. And ultimately, it's all behind it. So if I'm going to use shame to fight shame, what are my chances? Like one in a million. I'd say zero in a million. Just to sidestep the, the phrase from Dumb and Dumber, you mean I ha- one in a million, you mean I, that means I have a chance. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, but it's ironic. We get fooled into believing, and that's the, the voice, that's the whispers of shame. We get to use shame against itself and hope that it w- works. And it, it oftentimes when I talk about this, I... <laughs> I, I am reminded of the the definition of insanity. I don't know who said it. I think that's been lost to the annals of time. Uh, sometimes I've seen it be attributed to Albert Einstein. I'm not sure who said it, but everybody knows it, right? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. That is us with shame. And the the remarkable thing for us as Christ followers is it never occurs to us, or it occurs to us, but it's such um, an uncomfortable topic to use grace against it instead of force on force. It never really occurs to us, it seems. And so I would suggest that if you're going to a party or you're hanging out with friends tonight and somebody says, so what's your New Year's resolutions? (coughs) Excuse me. (laughs) You'll see a remarkable display of insanity shown you tonight with those New Year's resolutions. And that's, that's something to keep in mind, I think, is we engage in New Year's resolutions for our benefit, not for the benefit of any achievement, because we want to feel like we're in control. And and that's, <clears throat> it rarely works that way. And if anything, by the time we get around to it, by the end of January or early February, and these things have uh, gone by the wayside, and we're saying, well, there it is again. I, I blew it again. I can't do it right. And, and the shame is sitting in the corner rubbing his hands and saying, I got him. I got him. And, and that's, that's the story of year after year, nothing changing. And I see that, like, like I said, name, name your problem. You know, whether it's an addiction or whatever it might be, it, there's this vicious cycle that people get caught in, and I, the, the engine behind it is shame. So what do we do, right? I mean, why to leave you hanging? This is the last year, last day of the year, and, and you're looking at a, a clean, quote-unquote, clean slate. It's never clean. Um, it has shadows of all sorts of things left over from 2023. But what should we do? And maybe it isn't so much what we should do as what we should cultivate in ourselves in 2024 i the the cultivation factor i mean if and and this is this is exactly when when you listen to what i'm about to say you'll say and that's why i don't do it because it's just too complicated Making a resolution, not keeping it, eh, that's n- nothing new. I do that all the time, um, as a matter of fact, every year. And <clears throat> But, so think about it. What, it. Think about the over, and it is very oversimplified. I, I don't profess to, you know, I didn't stay 
if, if you ever listen to the to the commercials. I didn't stay at Holiday Inn Express last night, and I'm not a you know a farmer. Um, but if you really boil down the very essence of the farming process, it happens every year for people that do gardens or anything else. And, you know, it starts with cultivating the ground and preparing it. Um, you know, you throw plants into a ground that is not prepared. Ironically, Jesus spent some time talking about this and, and the, the soil, the different soils on which his words fall on, if you will. That same thing is true. So we have to cultivate and prepare the ground. My wife is a, a, uh, uh, a gardener, and she enjoys it. And that means I am, <clears throat> I am the free labor to move dirt and get other things put in place for the garden that most of the stuff that comes out of it, she enjoys. I don't. I this, you might say, well, it's a labor. It, it, yeah, it's a labor of love for sure because I know how much she enjoys it. So so we, we cultivate and prepare the ground. We plant the seed. Maybe we plant the, the, the seedling. Um, and then we water it and we wait and we wait. And there is a, a care from, for the beginning of the plant so that the, it starts to sh- throw shoots up into the air to get... <clears throat> the sun's rays and the and the uh, watering and everything else. Ultimately, we have to get rid of the things that interfere with the seedling, or it'll kill them off and it chokes them off. And literally, Jesus was talking about this as well. And so, we continue to water, we continue to cultivate, and as the plant grows, we do more of the same and do it again and do it again, and then finally, there comes a harvest. And we enjoy the fruits of that harvest, um, and and that's <clears throat> that's what cultivation is. We want to plant the seed, wait till it harvests, then we're good to go. And I don't have any work in between. And <clears throat> I, I I think that's what we miss is is that it's not about what resolution I make. This is resolved to accomplish certain things with willpower and control and everything else. Or, um, But what is it that we need to cultivate? What kind of being, instead of doing, what kind of being do I need to cultivate in myself? So there are a few keys that I came up with just to think through. And just to give you, again, some context here, um, when I uh, um, come to the conclusion of the um, Shame and Grace class, I, I usually will do one last lecture called Living Free. And <clears throat> this year was no different. And there were a number of things that I talked about uh, the, during that time. And I want to highlight a few of them for you because they they all come together in... Um, the, the nature of what we're talking about here with this podcast is what are the keys to cultivating my being rather than producing my doing, okay? And so one of the biggest keys, and I, I'm, I'm picking just a couple out um, here, is managing expectations. Because we, we one of the biggest sabotages that exists in how we manage uh, the the cultivation of who we are, the development of who we are. One of the biggest challenges is the expectations we have. And the expectations are, oftentimes we don't know we have them until they go unmet. Every semester, students come into my class knowing what am I going to ask, what I'm going to ask at the very first day of class? And it is, what are your hopes and expectations for taking a class like this? And a lot of them say, well, I have no expectations, which is not true. They don't know that. But I, I know from just having returned from the end of a class, it's like, this certainly wasn't what I expected. I don't know what I expected, but this wasn't what I expected, which means that I do expect something. I just haven't articulated what that is. And so 
the key to cultivating our being, or the nature of who we are, rests in examining our expectations. And we have to manage them. We, the thing that, that connects up with, at the very beginning when I was talking about the hope idea, is we have to resist the temptation of using hope to avoid or deny reality. I see this in relationships all the time. It's like, I'll give this person another chance, and I hope that, that they will do, they will change in whatever way they said they would. Well, that's, that's using hope to deny reality. If I've already seen over and over again the nature of the person's reactions and their consistency across those kinds of reactions, then I, hope blinds me to having the kind of limits or boundaries I need to have. And I don't want to do that, and I'm not willing to admit that I don't want to do that, so I'll just hope. And we get bit. We really get bit by it, and with disappointment and things like that. The other aspect here with expectations is don't use your expectations to manage other people. If you're not going to take the time to, to identify what your expectations are, but then it comes out in the questions you ask or the statements you make, and the other person walks away dejected saying, well, I guess I never get it right because I'm not hitting the target according to, to me. And, and since I'm not hitting the target, then I'm doing something wrong. Well, the other person may not even know what the target is. They just know what it isn't. And that's not... A definition. So <clears throat> the other part of this that I think has to be addressed in terms of managing our expectations for the future and going into the future is preparing for disappointment and, and being disillusioned. That is unfortunately a part of being human. We have imagination. The problem is, is we condemn our imagination rather than condemning the nature of the world that we live in and how broken we are and the, how broken the world is. And we are, <coughs> excuse me, we are going to have disappointment. i got to take a drink here. It's going to come. It doesn't define all of experience, but it is going to come. And so we don't, we need to build on what we know about ourselves, not what we hope for. That does not mean, let me be real clear, that doesn't mean you don't have a plan or you don't have some, some targets that you're going to shoot for. Absolutely. That, that doesn't deny that. So don't run out on the other end and say, you know, oh, I just heard this person say that, that um, we don't have any, have to have any targets or we don't have to try to accomplish anything. It'll, quote-unquote, just happen. No, it won't. We still need goals. We still need the targets to shoot for. At the same time, I'm not going to use those targets to, uh, to obscure the reality of what my challenges are going to be and, and how I probably won't hit the mark right away. I mean, I very few people that I know who have who remember back to the time of learning how to ride their bike will not have had a crash at one point or another. And, and yet we get beyond it and get proficient at it, and then we think it's all flawless from here on in. And we, we end up falling into a more of a perfectionistic um, uh, mindset, if you will. So it's not about cultivation, it's about production. And that's what gets in our way, certainly, in our expectation about how things should go. And that's the key word, is should. So there's that, is that managing our expectations. The, the second thing I want to just highlight again is, what about the direction of your heart? And I... I've been mulling this over, I don't know, for the last few days as I've been thinking about getting ready to say this, but it, I, direction oftentimes determines my destination. 
Direction determines my de- destination. If I go in a direction, positively defining what I, where I want to go, then I probably will get there. On the other hand, if I say I know what the destination is, but I'll meander my way there, I probably won't accomplish it, right? So direction determines destination, not intention. Intention accomplishes nothing. It, it may provide the motivation to start, but it doesn't accomplish anything. So it, the thing that, that I don't want you to miss is that in order to set a direction, okay, it requires some relationship that with the 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 one who offers me clarity about the condition of my heart and the relationship I need to accomplish that rather than doing it on my own i I have one of the assignments that i I give students in the shame and grace classes a self study the the operation what they've learned about shame and how it's operated in their own lives and and then also just how grace operated in their lives and what they have seen and 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 how does it enter into their relationship with God and things like that and <clears throat> time and again you know i i I have said, and I made this comment to my wife just last night is how many people and I think that includes all of us at one time or another on this journey is that shame has seeped its way and metastasized its way into our relationship with God. And so we make God in our own image, as as Blaise Pascal famously said, God made man in his image and man returned the favor. So we make make God in our own image and he becomes every bit as fussy and narrow-minded and compulsive and demanding and punishing as we are. And and that is what sabotages our relationship with God because the God we're relating to is not the God of Scripture revealed through Jesus Christ. It is us. It, it's us. And this God, my, me being God, will always let me down. It will always let me down. And I think we all inherently at some level know that. So the problem is, is determining my direction, my posture, it's not about something I, I achieve by June, it's what do I, how do I achieve that today? What is the direction or the posture of my heart? Henry Nouwen famously said, if you knew in your heart of hearts, which is funny that we use that as a phrase, right? If you knew in your heart of hearts that you were God's beloved, and you believed it, believed it enough to walk out on that limb, because that's what belief is about, it's trust. If you believed it, how would your day change? How would your relationship change today? Today, just today. It's just one day, one step, one one passage of the journey. And so it requires trust that we say we have, but we act as if we really don't. And, and that's, that's the backdrop to what we're going into today is a lot of New Year's resolutions and blah, 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 whatever. The other thing I, I'd mentioned to you is, you know, is, is how do you define freedom? <laughs> is it freedom from something? from uh, external intervention, from uh, uh, relationships I don't want to be involved in, from something, or is it I'm free to choose a variety of things? Is it that? And that we, we crow, certainly in this country, we crow a lot about and sing a rhapsodize about freedom. But there's a lot of people that I, if I push them hard enough, they'll say, no, I, I'm not very free at all. I, I am bound by the 
And if they figure it out, the voice of shame, I'm bound in my cell, I'm happy in my cell, it's comfortable, I know everything about it, I know all the expectations, I know all the rules of engagement, I know everything that I need to know about it, that's the way it is, I got it. And and it's, it's, <laughs> it's freedom to choose to leave the cell right, versus freedom from anxiety or discouragement or things like that. And so that's, there's just more to that, and I certainly will be releasing that at a future point in time. So that's it for today. Um, this is one of the rare days that I, that I do my podcast during the day. It usually is very dark. it's dark outside, and my, my uh, blinds are are not pulled so you can see it's nighttime. Um, but so, so some end of program reminders here that I always do. If you have questions or I've triggered something or whatever, please feel free to uh, send me a, a message, whether that's on Instagram or you can do it on the website. There's a contact page where you can make contact and ask questions and post some things there. Uh, there is also an opportunity that when you hit the the website at sgi-net.org uh, to subscribe and to become part of the community and to find out what's going on. Um, Lord willing, we're going to have a newsletter that will be coming out once a month or so just to keep you informed of the developments, the silent retreats, the uh, upcoming topics in the podcast, uh, to new resources and content available on the website. All of that is available there as well. Um, the other one that I've mentioned time and again, and this is a great time because tomorrow's in January 1, and so we can we can <clears throat> move into a new year, is uh, a digital devotional that, that I put together many years ago with three, a couple of friends of mine called Setting New Boundaries, and I've turned it into a digital format. So you can get a email once a week for the entire year, and um, you can uh, be reminded of setting new boundaries and healthy, healthy relationships, and what you see in yourself are very much all a part of that, that that I think are worth paying attention to. It is a great resource. Um, it is uh, $25 for a half a semi-annual, six months, five bucks a month, 25 for a, six months, or uh, 50 for a whole year, and you'll get a, some, one every, every, uh, every week. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at SGI underscore international. Um, so SGI underscore international. Facebook at Ray.Mitch and LinkedIn DR Mitch. Uh, and you can listen to the podcast and please subscribe. That really just helps us raise the profile for more people to find us and and hear some pretty exciting topics that are coming up that I think are worth paying attention to uh, in the new year, and you can do that. So um, now the the last thing which I always say is that if if you want to partner with us, now's a great time to do it. It's the last day of the year. Um, you can you can give your tax deductible gift. That helps us to to meet our funding goal of uh, seven thousand dollars to to. Uh, fund and support uh, students who and uh, young people to go to silent retreats that are coming up this spring. We have one, we have two in April, one in May that are, that's coming up, and so we need we need all of the support and financial support that we can get in order to keep that scholarship fund at a healthy level that allows us not only to manage the uh, the, the general expenses of running a, a a tiny ministry like this, but also just to put on the silent retreats and make that uh, possible. So all of your gifts are tax deductible and you, you'll receive a summary receipt by the end of the, at the end of the year. Um, actually, what that means is early in January to, to summarize if you've given to us before. So if you want to do that, we would be ever so grateful. If, if you want to give us a physical or send us a physical check, you certainly can do that as well. Just send it to um, uh, uh, SGI, uh, PO Box 322, 
East Glen, Colorado, 80601 is the address for that. So please join us in that regard and uh, help us out in that regard as well. Oh, I'm sorry, 80614, not 80604. So um, now, one last thing, and this is what uh, hopefully will make this worth your while listening in. There are some big items coming up. Uh, probably one of the first ones is uh, a, a podcast on which I was the ho- uh, the uh, guest. Um, it's a former student, a guy by the name of Josh Korak, that is a, a therapist here in Broomfield. And he has a, a podcast called Care with Korak. K is K-O-R-A-C. Um, and you can find it on iTunes or Spotify, or you can come to the website at sgi-net.org. Uh, I'm going to get good at saying that over and over again. So you can go to the Outpost Media page, and at the very bottom you'll actually be able to listen in to what that interview is about. I talk a little bit about grace and shame, and those seem to be the, the major topics of, of <laughs> my life right now. So... So there's that. That's one thing. If you want to find out more, you want to listen to it, it's on the website. You can listen to it there, or you can find it on iTunes or Spotify, whichever. So um, the the big bogey on the radar, and it's approaching fairly quickly, um, is the brand new book that I am publishing called Seasons of Our Grief. Um, the the publication date will be January 16th, 2024. Um, and so you can pre-order. <clears throat> the, the link will go live on our website uh, at sgi-net.org. Um, and you can, you can pre-order uh, all the way up to, and then, of course, it, it goes live on the 16th. So that's... That's a big deal. It's been three years in the making. Uh, there's been a lot of um, blood, sweat, and tears, literally, uh, that have been gone that have gone into doing that that book. There's more to come. I am more convinced than ever that I probably need to release another book uh, as a companion to that. I don't know what that looks like, but it is it is coming up uh, that way. So. Mark it on the calendar or pre-order. You can, again, uh, uh, Amazon is accepting pre-orders at this point in time, and you can do that either through Amazon or um, you can do that on the website. Like I said, the, the uh, link will go live on the 2nd of January. Uh, if you're looking it up, the one, the one uh, uh, reminder I would have for you is that that there is a book called Seasons uh, in Our Grief, um, and this is Seasons of Our Grief, and of course, including my last name, will will bring it up for you as well, as well as my other grief book, um, and that's uh, Grieving the Loss of Someone You Love. So, uh, Seasons of Our Grief, and uh, spell my last name right. Uh, a lot of people say oh, I can't find it, and it's because they didn't put the S in my name. So M I T S C H. So there's that. There is a big emphasis, like I already mentioned, of over the early months of the year uh, in 2024 to uh, develop and continue to develop and grow our scholarship fund for the silent retreats. And so, uh, what the other thing I have just to um, uh, go along with that is is in the month of January, um, the four podcasts of January will be devoted to grief and loss in each season that are portrayed in in my book. So uh, if you know somebody that's going through that and send them to listen to it, uh, it will come out on Monday morning um, each week, Lord willing. Um, and so that's that's going to be a companion to uh, the book, The Seasons of Our Grief. What you will find, and I'm not going to steal the thunder of it too much, but what you will find is it's a very different format. It's different than you would expect um, because it's not me teaching. Uh, it is me storytelling. And I, uh, I wrote it specifically for a younger generation of readers uh, because I think that probably would talk, speak to them more than, than just 
um, what I call propositional teaching kinds of stuff. So, so those two things are coming up in January with the grief and loss emphasis. The book launch is going to be on the 16th, and there will be other announcements and things um, that either if you subscribe to the um, uh, newsletter, that will keep you informed of what's going on there and, and uh, what other marketing efforts we're engaged in to try to, to raise the profile of the book and, and uh, have more people be exposed to what's in it. The other thing is, as I said, is to continue to, to develop our scholarship fund. And what I have, and I want to show you, is, um, and if you're just listening to the audio, then you may want to go to the website just to see it. But I, I've developed something that I think is is kind of fun. I, I, I am an armchair um, graphic designer, and it's very basic. I, I'm... Uh, when I, if I were a golfer, I'd be a duffer. Um, but that's that's what this is. Let me hold it up to the camera so you can see it. It's a little uh, window or water bottle sticker. It is uh, available for order. And I'll hold it up there real close so you can see it nice and clear. Um, and on it, it says at the top, S.A. Quam Videri. And it's a Latin phrase that means to be rather than seem. And that's that's what that phrase is. And so second line below it, it says outposts for the heart. And then, of course, it's portrayed with a small outpost and sgi-net.org. So um, if you want to uh, put that anywhere that other people can see and, and uh, prompt some questions, you can point them in our direction. Uh, these are five bucks on the website. That again, that will go live um, uh, for request and uh, mailing um, the January second as well. There's a, a number of things going live on the second of January that um, you'll find there. So, um, <coughs> excuse me. So there's that. That's the sticker. It is four inches in diameter. This one's a little small. Uh, and, but I, I will, uh, uh, it's, we're going to get a whole another set here. This is a three inch one that I have, but we'll, we'll have a four inch one that if you'd like to have a smaller one, you're welcome to it as well. But all of the effort there in, in, in fundraising is, is for the, the operating expenses and the silent retreats that are coming up so we can support and make it possible for young people to, to uh, um, engage that and be involved in that. So <clears throat> um, I think that's it. Goodness, that's enough of the, the housekeeping stuff. If you're interested, uh, just, uh, you know, like I said, DM me on Instagram or uh, anything else on the website at, at sgi-net.org. We'll get that nailed down in your head one way or another. So thanks so much for joining me. I'm so glad that you took some time out to listen um, in this first week of the new year. And uh, I uh, look forward to ha having seen you back. Uh, and until that time, love you. Later. Later.